0: Hello, sweet love. Welcome to another episode of Full Body Fuck Yes. I'm your host, Abby Gibb, and this episode has been a long time coming because when I first learned about some of this, I went, oh, fuck, I thought I was really being good about not being racist, right? Like it's a daily practice of learning how to unlearn all of the racist tendencies that this society has taught us. And fuck, these are 13 common phrases that most likely you're saying at least one of still to this day, and they're racist as fuck. And I'm gonna teach you the history behind them. Now, I wanted this episode to drop on this exact week because it's Thanksgiving week here in America. And if you're listening to this at another time, maybe it's near Christmas or Hanukkah or something else but there's some sort of holiday season happening for you. And so that means you're probably going to be with some family. And that also means that they're probably going to say some of these things too. Now, if they're open to it, if you have like some pretty sweet, open boomer parents, maybe you listen to this episode together. Hi, mom and dad. Or perhaps if they're open to it, you can have a dialogue with your super racist, weird uncle that you only have to see one time at dinner. Uh. Hi, uncle, Rob, or whatever. Uh, These are seriously unnecessary things. Like, can we just not? I'm not really into cancel culture, but can we just like cancel these words? And I'm going to explain why. It's not like, you know, you need to say them. There's like lots of other ways to say these sentences. And I hope that it's very eye-opening. And I would say that I'd love to also hear which one was like, holy crap for you. Please share this episode if you were like, my gosh, because I know you're also, if you if you run a business, you probably say some of these things on your sales pages. You've probably said it on a podcast. I've said some of these phrases live on TV before. Of course, I didn't know, right? But just like my Angelou says, when we know better, we can do better. So, you know, don't. Be too hard on yourself because I still hear these almost every week. And I just wanted to share the, the knowledge that I had received um, when I was doing some more anti-racist work and realized that a lot of my words still carried that. And I don't want to do that. Right. And you don't want to do that. That's why you listen to my podcast. So, all right. 13 common phrases that are actually racist starting with, and here's why I wanted it on Thanksgiving week, food coma. Uh-huh. Food coma. This phrase directly alludes to the stereotype of laziness associated with African-Americans. I know. What? Yep. hmm So according to MIT, it stems from a longer and incredibly offensive version of this word, which is the N-word itis. Okay. And then eventually through time, people were saying N-word itis. They dropped the N-word part. Okay. And they left this faux scientific diagnosis, okay, of food coma. So at first they had the itis to make it sound like it was somehow scientific or proven that black people here in America were more lazy. And then through time. The vernacular dropped and we got food coma. I know. Are you like having that emoji that has the brain that like explodes right now? Uh, Cause I did when I heard this. What the fuck, right? Uh, so instead you can just say stuffed. Oh, I'm stuffed. But like, please, can we stop saying food coma? Okay, next one. This one, for sure I have done. For sure I have done. And there is a very good chance That you have done this, that you've used it in your business, that you've seen it from another somebody in business. Okay. It's grandfathered in. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about sold down the river as well. Um, And that one, like you can assume when you start to hear it, you're like, "Mm, yeah, it's probably racist. Uh, But grandfathered in, you're like, what? Like, I don't understand. Okay. So let me give you a little bit of history. Here it goes. Uh, it echoes institutionalized racist practices. That's literally what the term is. It is one of the most racist things we can say. I know. Okay. So we mean that to be like, now we mean it to like continue following existing rules, even a new rule or a law that's been passed, right? Like that's what grandfathered in means, but While we were working on the 15th Amendment here in America to give black men the right to vote, this was back in 1870, several states created institutional barriers intentionally to complicate this process, to make it as difficult as possible for black men to be able to vote, even though, of course, it was in the Constitution. They instituted like very expensive poll taxes and literacy tests that made it nearly impossible for black men to be able to vote because they didn't have the money and many of them couldn't read. But guess what? There were some other people that couldn't read as well. They were old ass white men. So the States worked around that. Oh, just kidding. We're going to grandfather in stipulating that If you could vote before the 15th Amendment, meaning you were white. Or you were a descendant of a voter, also likely meaning you were white. You didn't have to take those tests or pay the toll tax. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's cool, Grandpa. You can't read. That's fine because you're white. So you get to vote. But you, black man in America who has a constitutional right to vote. nope. And so they called it grandfathered in, I know racist as fuck, pretty bad. So I remember the very first business coach that I had, it was like very much like divine feminine, like be embodied in your work. And so she would say grandmothered in, and that is a perfect example of whitewashing. That is a perfect example of the problems that we I'm speaking for me as white women have learn your history. This is not enough. We are fucking problematic because we're just like, oh, no, I'm sure it's patriarchy. It's got to be a patriarchy problem. No, dude. No, it's a racist problem. And we are part of it when we perpetuate it by even just covering it with grandmothered in. No. OK, so all you got to do instead. Here's what I use. Legacy. All right. You could say like legacy pricing or legacied in, you can say exempted, you can say excused, any of those. But today, can we just mark that today we don't say grandfathered in anymore? Thanks. Appreciate that one. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Okay. Number three, this one, when you hear it though, you're like, that sounds a little, you know, but like maybe your racist grandparents still say it or maybe you live somewhere where this is like a common saying sell you down the river it means now when they say it that somebody betrayed betrayed you or cheated on you but of course it has a much darker and more literal meaning so npr reports that during slavery in the u.s Masters in the North often sold their misbehaving slaves straight up for real, sending them down the Mississippi River to plantations in Mississippi where conditions were much harsher. So they didn't want to deal with, quote, the problem slaves, as they were called. And so they quite literally sold them down the river. Yeah. So let's not. How about that? And instead, you can just say somebody betrayed you, cheated, you know, one of those kinds of things. Which brings me to the next one. Something I said, unfortunately, live on television, not knowing at the time that this was like real racist. So, another version, when, when you say, like, oh, somebody like cheated or betrayed you, they can al- you can also say, gypped, I got gypped right? GYP or GIP, which evolved from a shortened version of gypsy, which by the way, is an actual ethnic culture. Like if you didn't know that, or like you saw Peaky Blinders, you might the show, you might know that it's the Romani. It's an ethnic group, mostly in Europe. And of course, here in America and the Romani typically traveled a lot. And they made their money by selling goods, like literally in, in these wagons that you see in TV movies, that kind of thing. Of course, when you're doing that, you know, trading back and forth and you're selling your goods, there's going to be some disputes and the common, I'm going to use white in air quotes, like the common white Europeans considered gypsies other than not actual whites again i'm using this in air quotes and began to think of romanis as swindlers so today gyp actually has become synonymous with cheating someone but it really truly only has to do and is racist as fuck with a certain ethnic culture so instead you just can say swindled cheated right any of those kinds of things like yeah Um, kind of goes back to as you can imagine i feel like i I didn't even add this as an official one because i feel like it should be so fucking obvious but uh i definitely heard people say this when i was in high school so i feel like we should just remind you that when somebody says indian giver also it's disgusting like i can't but you know i know i'm sure there's somebody out there saying it still so like also that's just a caveat please don't say that like ever it's all the same yeah okay we're just gonna leave it at that one please don't say that all right, next one. The popular term peanut gallery. Did you know peanut gallery is racist? I definitely have said this one on air as well, so real sorry about that. <clears throat> so for example, it was used to refer to people, mostly black people, who were sitting in the cheap seats back in the vaudeville theaters. Now, vaudeville had a bunch of different things that were blatantly racist, including like blackface, the characterization of black people, Um, and because the peanuts were sold at these shows and sometimes people would throw peanuts at the act on stage that they didn't like the term evolved to mean it was unwarranted criticism. Right. And while the term for sure is, is classist as well. So like already it's just kind of icky, but it is also straight up racist because of this vaudeville era being, themselves blatantly racist. So when this term came to be, Peanut Gallery, it was mostly black people that were sitting in those seats. So it's it's just racist. It's just not necessary. Please don't say it. Um and just say what you actually mean, which is like random strangers on the internet maybe or critics anything like that is totally fine. Um but like let's just we know better, let's do better. The next term Is uppity. I don't know if you remember this from like a couple of years ago, back in like 2011. This was a thing with Michelle Obama. So I'm just gonna give you like a little time machine. That was my very fancy time machine sound. Um, Because uppity, of course, nowadays usually means somebody that's arrogant or stuck up. And I definitely had no idea that this was a racist thing. But here we go. It was commonly used to describe black people that, quote, didn't know their place, i.e. like their socioeconomic place. So it came when as more black Americans were beginning to make money, start businesses, create their own economic structure, and they would walk into a white owned business using, I don't know, cash in exchange for goods and services, like, uh, I don't know, a human being, uh, this term uppity came and it specifically only means, and is only really has come to be for black people, not knowing quote their socioeconomic place. So back in 2011, good old Rush Limbaugh rest in peace, asshole pontificated that a NASCAR audience booed Michelle Obama because she exhibited quote, uppity, uppity ism, uppity ism. Yeah, sure. Glenn Beck, also a winner, uh, defended him because, and here's why she was uppity. Uh, She loved arugula. Couldn't make this shit up if I tried. And then after that, guess who else got called that name in all of the British press? Meghan Markle. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's interesting because they don't really use uppity for white people. Hmm. The Atlantic reports that during segregation, that's when racist Southerners began to use this, like shop owners. It, of course, started in the South um, and it definitely 100% uh, was adopted quickly by other racists. So instead, things that you can say, arrogant, self-important, conceited, pretentious, all of those, totally fine. Just like, I just, I can't believe, which just speaks to still my own white privilege and how much history was whitewashed in school that I didn't know. Like, how do you not teach this shit in like second grade, right? Fuck. But like, also it's our responsibility to learn it now and unlearn So that's why I wanted to create this episode to just make it a little bit easier for all of you. Okay, another one. I saw this actually very recently on a very well-known business coach's sales page. It said, you'll be able to sell ice to an Eskimo is what it said. Yeah, so uh, Eskimo actually comes from the same Danish word which literally means eaters of raw meat and etymology is what we're all talking about here. It's the study of words, like where do words come from? And I, because I'm a writer, I'm a storyteller, I love etymology. So I kind of went into it a little bit more and the etymology research also suggests that that the word Eskimo could mean snowshoe netter as well. So like either way, when we refer to an entire group of people by their perceived behaviors, we trivialize their existence and their culture. If if that's the best case scenario, worst case is it's just racist as fuck. Um, and it, it's just like, just, you know, you can imagine so many others having to do with like rice and rice eating for someone that's Asian. um, oriental because it has to do with rugs like just can we not like we've evolved let's not do that so instead using proper terms like inuit that's the name of those people eskimo really has to do with a people an entire group's perceived behavior do you see the difference so um eskimo kisses selling ice to an eskimo any of those like eskimo pies i just like wouldn't like can we not I did not know this one until I started researching. Cause at first the, those other ones that I mentioned that I had actually learned in a class, but then I was like, I wonder like etymology is really fun. I'm a huge dork. so like, what else is out there? That's super racist that I don't know. So I picked a couple more here. These ones, all of them, I had no idea hand to Bible did not know until last week when I was putting this together for this episode were racist. So like, maybe you all are like abs, these are clearly not okay. Um, and then that's fine. I was a party of one. But if there's even one other person that didn't know that these are like very problematic, I hope this helps. All right, the next one is mumbo jumbo, right? Okay, you're like, what? Okay, so mumbo jumbo usually is like, it's hard to understand. You're speaking mumbo jumbo. It's like, you can't even... Conceptualize of it, but the word I'm putting my my glasses on here. The epidemiology of this word is an adaptation from West Africa. Okay, that is Mama Jombu, Mama Jombu. I'm reading this for you. Uh, I, I probably fucked that up, but there you go. It's a language that's spoken primarily in parts of Mali. Guinea and the Ivory Coast. So Mama Jambu refers to a masked male dancer who is participating in religious ceremonies. The term, wait for it, has been adapted to refer to senseless or meaningless ritual. Now, that's literally what Marion Webster says. Yeah. So not only is it racist, but it's also dismissive of other cultural religious beliefs what the fuck we are so fucked up what to say instead it's incoherent hard to understand and here's the thing i want to say like we don't you and i need to be on our high horse in our glass house being like oh i'm so much better than my racist aunt or whatever right like that's not what i'm saying here but i think depending on your family culture you might have People in your life that you are going to interact with over the holiday season, especially that maybe would love and would be open to hearing about this. Like they're not doing it out of malice, they're doing it because they are poorly educated. And if you are not a person of color, okay, and you're listening to this episode, if you are just about as white as this, you know, the snow, you're coming from somewhere in Europe, also the responsibility to educate our friends and family and relatives and neighbors shouldn't fall on those people who are being affected directly. It's not the job of a black American. It's not the job of a native American. It's not the job of an Asian American. It's not the job. You see where I'm going with this to educate everyone else about how they are offensively racist to that group. No, mm -mm. it's on, it's on me. It's on other white people who are the ones that made these words to begin with to not only educate ourselves, but to help others. And I genuinely believe that most of us out here are good hearted. Like you're listening. Like if you're listening to my podcast, you're a very kind, good human. I, I know that. So like, you don't want to say this shit. And that probably means that your friends and family don't want to say this either. So like, you don't have to come at it from like this hoity-toity place. Listen to how I said hoity-toity. I checked that one's not racist. So that's okay. I'm just not going to say uppity, right? Uh, So you don't have to come from that type of place, just from like, hey, so maybe you didn't realize this, but these words aren't something we need to be using anymore. There's better words to describe it because of these very insensitive to downright racist undertones. Is something I would say, but like you do you. Okay, next one, spaz. To many people calling someone spaz or spastic is literally as offensive as calling them the r-word by the way i have still heard people using the r-word and i just it boggles my fucking mind so please if that's you or if you have a family member that's listening to this please stop using the r-word please but also please stop using spaz because the stigma stems from the words association with cerebral palsy which is a disease that also like has spastic paralysis. That's literally where this word comes from. So like, can we say instead like bumbler, bumbler, something like that? Instead of being like, oh, I'm such a spaz. Like Gen Z (laughs) and younger is going to look at us like, are you, but like for real, they said shit. Like it's going to seem Like how when my mom tells me about how there were segregated water fountains at her school, and I'm like, I'm sorry, you grew up in Cal, you grew up in LA. Like, the fuck are you talking about? Seriously, Gen Z is gonna think that we are like that for using these fucking words. Mark my, mark, mark my words here. I'm taking a sip of water. All right, number ten, no can do. Uh huh. There you go. Uh, there's a reason that the phrase no can do sounds like broken English. Uh, that's because the saying started. Here's my epidemiology history of the day. It started back in the mid 1800s. Okay. This was a time, if you remember, with like a lot of Chinese people, literally from China, moving to America for the railroads to handle. With, you know, goods and services around the mining community in San Francisco, this was a huge influx of Chinese immigrants coming during this, t- this specific time in the mid- to late 1800s. And white people were racist as fuck, like, real bad, especially towards the East. And so this was a way to mock how Chinese people who were learning how to speak English and had like broken pigeon English, it was a way to mock them. So like, let's just not, right? Like I can't do that. I'm not available. If you've heard some of my boundary setting episode, like there's a lot of things you can say here. Just don't say no can do. It's just, it's problematic to say the least. Okay. Second to last one rule of thumb. I did not know this one. This one is problematic as fuck. So not all of these are racist. Some of these are just really a huge issue that like, maybe we just, we could just leave that one behind, you know? And as I was digging around, no one knows for sure exactly where this phrase comes from. Like the the date or the type, like where in America, like where this came from, but... They do believe this is like old. Okay. Experts believe it has something to do with an English law from the 1600s that allowed men to assault their wives with a stick. Uh Uh-huh. Just so long as it was no wider than his thumb in thickness. What? Yup. Yikes. I know. So instead, maybe we could say instead of rule of thumb, another one that I've a hundred percent said and I've seen recently on somebody's—I was taking a course from someone and they had it in there, and I was like, "Oh shit, yeah, I remember reading that." They're like, "The rule of thumb for this," I'm like, mm. uh, "So instead, we could say like the general principle or the general guideline. Any of those are fine." All right, last one. In the can we just not? Can we maybe just sort of not do that ever again? Because it's racist, problematic as fuck is tipping point. I did not know this one. I definitely did not know this one until I was like last week. I was, I'm seven days old on this one. When you reach the tipping point in a situation, right? It means like the, it can't be stopped. Like the change, the effect of it can't be stopped, but And like, that seems fine. Like, that's why I was like, we have movies called The Tipping Point. All about, I mean, we're using this a lot right now when it comes to the environment. So it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Like I just saw it in Newsweek. I just saw it on CNN. Um, I saw it recently on TikTok. I mean, so like lots of generations still using Tipping Point. But the phrase was used in the 50s and 60s to reference the tendency for white families to move out of a neighborhood once it had been taken over by an African-American majority. That's when like, when you look at like the history of a word, when it becomes colloquial, like when it becomes slang or commonly used. And many times that, that point (laughs) where the word turns from its racist problematic roots into a more whitewashed usage happened in this case in the 50s and 60s but it doesn't change where it really came from right so we just we don't need to use it like it's just a respectful thing to not use this term because it just has so much painful terrible history with it there are some more benign ways to say this which is like you could say a watershed moment Um, we're at a crossroads, things like that. Those are totally benign, fine. Um, And so I think that's just what I wanted to share with you today. Those are all of them, by the way. But that's what I wanted to share with you today is like just understanding more deeply with care, compassion, the history of these words that we all say and carry. And you and I know, I mean, literally what my podcast is about is the power of our words, of sharing our truth, of holding the vibration, the literal vibration of our words. And when we say these words like grandfathered in, we are carrying hundreds of years of pain that we're continuing to put into the world by saying that. And if we really want to be movement makers and paradigm shifters and just fuck, like just good people in this world, It also takes looking at the very language we're using. And that's why I felt passionately about sharing it today. Hopefully this was a helpful episode and we'll start some uh, very productive and positive family discussions. There you go. I love you. We'll talk next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Full Body Fuck Yes Podcast with me, Abby Gibb. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And it would mean the world if you leave a review so others know how kick-ass these episodes are. And I'm a real person over on Instagram, so tag me in an IG story at Abby Gibb and let me know what landed in your heart the most today. Thanks again for listening.